0: This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. Tonight we have a, a podcast that I've been looking forward to for some time. Um, we tend to focus in on issues of you know Mormons and ex Mormons and Mormon culture, and sometimes um, you know, particularly myself being sort of an ex Mormonish guy, we, we tend to focus on the side of, of ex Mormonism. But now we kind of want to flip that coin around and look at the other side of that. Tonight, I'm um, bringing you a guest panel of um, some individuals who are still faithful in the church, whose spouses have all um, left the church to some degree or another. So we're going to kind of look at it from uh, their perspective. Let's uh, go ahead and have them each introduce themselves. Let's start with uh, a- an old friend who's been with us a couple times. Brian, how are you doing tonight, Brian?
2: Hey, John. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, my name is Brian Johnston. I am an active member of the church. I was raised in the church. Uh My father was a bishop at one point in his life, you know, the traditional Mormon upbringing, uh, went on a mission to Germany, uh, came back, was married in the temple to a wonderful woman, uh, we have six kids, and uh, I am still active in the church today. However, in about, see, it was 2007, uh, my wife decided she no longer believed anymore, and, uh, that's kind of what led me, uh, on a on a very diff, different direction in life at that point, but uh, th- just that's a brief introduction uh, for me. And Brian, you you helped us out in the stages of faith um, podcasts, right? Yeah, um, I, I I don't know if it's at the point to get into this too much yet, but uh, my wife's disaffection got me very interested in people who become disaffected. I have other family members that have left the church, and you know, it became not something that was just a side issue you know, that I hear about other people, but happening all around me. So it, you know, became something that I don't want to say I'm obsessed about, but it very much impacts my life on a daily basis. And, uh, I always want to look to try and understand that. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's part of my story as well.
1: Okay, great. And we also have Charlene. Charlene, how are you doing tonight?
3: Fine. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm uh, um, also born and raised in the church. Uh, on my mother's side, we have pioneer heritage. My father was a convert at a young age, um, and I also served a mission and came home. I uh, was about to finish up my last year at BYU when I met my husband. Uh, he was also a return missionary and had grown up in the church as well, and we were married in the temple, all the usual Ideal Mormon courtship and, you know, you pray and you know that this is the person you're to marry. And we got married within, oh, a couple months actually of our getting married. He began expressing things that I found troubling. Um, and they began to become more troubling and more frequent that he, he expressed his doubts and his misgivings about the church. Uh, within, within a year, it was clear that he was in crisis, his faith was in crisis. And by the time we had been married, about three and a half years, he had completely separated himself from the church, no more church attendance at all. Um, it, he continued to do some things. He continued to, for example, pay tithing for a few couple more years after that and continued to wear garments probably for another six, seven, eight years after that. But uh, it's probably been... A good 10, 12 years that there's really no, no connection on his part to the church. He still maintains church, um, but that's it. He's just a name on the, on the word roster.
1: All right. Thanks. And um, lastly, we have uh, Christine.
0: Hi. I have been a member of the church all my life. I was born in the church, uh, like Charlene, I have pioneer, pioneer heritage. Um, my great, great grandfather is actually James Gray Willie. And so, um, I have some, some, uh, definite blood through me. That's supposed to be really good stock. Uh, (laughs) my husband, um, was also born and raised in the church, uh, I was born here in Utah, but my family moved to Seattle and I grew up, um, in that area and came back down to Utah to go to school and met my husband and we were married in the temple, um, coming up on 13 years ago. And, um, about, well, I would say exactly three years ago this year, uh, some, I had a health crisis and nearly died twice and, um, it started my husband down a road of, he's not going to wait anymore. He's not going to, you know, put off looking at what was on his shelf. And he was determined to, um, find his, I don't know, inner gospel doctrine teacher. Uh, (laughs) he wanted to know as much as he could about the church and wanted to be able to defend it against all these things that he'd heard while he was on his mission. Um, and he, he had served a mission, uh, out in California and had heard quite a few things at the time. He just kind of put them again, put them on that shelf. Um, But as he delved further into it, um, things were not quite what he seen, what they seemed. And he that probably started two years ago and about six to eight months after that is when he really confessed to me what he was thinking, how he no longer believed in, and it kind of came out about it. And, um, I did everything that, that you're not supposed to do <laughs> in my reactions to him. And, um, he did everything that he wasn't supposed to do and how he reacted to me. And, um, things got really, really sticky for a while. And, and uh, I actually had a time where the animosity between the two of us was, was so great that I, I took a week and just moved with my kids out to my folks house. And, uh, that started us both saying, we need to, we don't want to do this. You know, it, it kind of was the realization of we they're going to sink or swim at this point. And, um, both of us chose to swim with it and the waters have been rough, but, um, we're trying to make a go of it. And now, you know, it's been a year and a half and, and we seem to be doing okay.
1: <laughs> wow. That's great. Now, um, on the podcast, we've talked before about how when people reach their crisis of faith um sometimes it's it's a sudden thing you know somebody picks up a pamphlet at four o'clock and by six o'clock they're done but more often it's a slow burn and it takes people a little bit of time to process now i i I think the danger in that is they might be working this out internally before they spring it on their significant other um for for each of you you know um and christine you you um sort of hinted at this but How how did your um, spouse break the news to you? When did you first sort of find out that things weren't, um, things weren't as they seem?
0: Well, his was, um, I wouldn't say it was one specific day. It, uh, at first he was telling me little things that he kept finding out and he, um, would say, you know, oh, did, you know, I read, I read The Stone Rolling or, you know, and at first it was all, he was reading, uh, oh journal of discourses and everything the church you know tells you to read and he's like no these things just don't seem right and uh, as he went and would do the research on him and he said I wouldn't look at any anti stuff he always told me I'm not looking at anti stuff but the facts were what was killing him and i i was dealing with um a lot of recovery um at the time dealing with what i had just you know for the, pr- the year prior the illness and there was a lot of recovery involved with that and and trying to keep my life together and, and, uh, little girls and everything else. And, um, we have two children. Uh, anyway, he, um, he kind of dropped it for a while. And then I think I want to say it was probably August of 2007 or so, um, is when he really came hardcore and was like, I don't anymore. I'm not going to church and da, 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 da. And, um, you know, took off his, I went, I I can't remember exactly when he took off his garments. I remember that was a huge blow, but that things we had already been escalating as far as arguments. And I just was kind of tired of hearing it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to listen because I had so many other things I was dealing with. And, and so, like I said, an exact day isn't really there, but I remember it was about August when, when, uh, things just really hit the fan and, and, uh, the blow up really started to come. A lot of it actually at the time was over proposition eight. He was actually writing letters to the, um, church authorities.
1: Um, how about you, Charlene? How'd you find out?
3: Um, his was kind of a gradual thing. I think, um, we had a lot of discussions and I do remember very clearly the day that it happened. We were, um, attending, um, the wedding of my, one of my mission companions. And he started saying some extraordinarily critical things about the church, about the temple, you know, and it just shocked me. Um, and it angered me, you know, and I thought it was very inappropriate. And here's a special day for my mission companion. Why was he doing this? Um, and I thought, well, he's just having a bad day. But the next day it started in again, and we had three or four days in a row where he just, you know, had so many critical things to say and it just, and, and, and I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know if this was a mood change. We were so newly married. Um, you know, you're still getting to know each other and for him to throw this at me, I, I didn't know what to do. Um, like Christine, I did all the wrong things. I went through the begging and the pleading and the converting and, uh, the trying to show him where he was wrong. Uh, then the demands and, um, and the anger, you know, the anger at, at what he was saying, we would have lots of discussions. And, and some of them, I just finally stopped and said, wait a minute, what, what's the purpose of this? Are you trying to convince me that I'm wrong? Or are you wanting me to convince you to, you know, stay in the church? And he never could really answer that for me, um, one time he said, "Well, I just need a sounding block. I just or a sounding board. I just need someone I can just bounce this off of, and you're the only one." <laughs> Gee, great, thanks. <laughs> um, uh, after oh, maybe about a year of that, he wrote uh, kind of a eight or ten page treatise, sort of along the lines of um, Martin Luther's 95 theses, um, based mostly on the inconsistencies that he found within the Book of Mormon. His problems weren't, weren't mostly, um, I know a lot of people who leave the church, it's over historical problems with the church's history. His weren't so much the history as they were internal inconsistencies that he saw. And, um, but, but like I said, within six or eight months, um, I think I had a clear picture of, you know, of the depth of his disbelief. Um, and then it was just for him a matter of, well, should I continue with the church even despite all my misgivings, or should I just leave the church entirely? And, um, and that was hard for me to watch. I, you know, I, of course I wanted him to stay. That would have been an easy thing. Um, but, uh, eventually I could see that he was definitely withdrawing. And, um, and by that time, by the time he completely quit coming to church and quit having anything to do with the church, I was ready for it. Um, I think that gradual approach, I guess, kind of, kind of prepared me a little bit so that when the final, when he severed himself from believing at, at any level, um, I was ready. I, I could handle it. And by then I understood him better too. Um, by then we'd been married, you know, three, three and a half years, uh, We had already moved halfway across the country and were far away from family. That was one of the really bad things is when he first started, we were still living right in Utah in the nest of his family and my family. And, oh, boy, adding family to the mix was a huge, (laughs) huge (laughs) catastrophe because in addition to dealing with his disbelief, then I have to deal with their emotional reactions and their anger towards him for unbelief. And it was just a huge tangled mess. So we were glad we moved. That helped us both calm down, helped us both kind of communicate to each other better. And and then, like I said, it was about a year after that, that he finally left and, and I was fine with it by that time. I, I understood him better. Um It's not what I wanted by any means but i had found my coping mechanisms i had learned to be at peace with it and so from then on it was basically a matter of learning to live with this new unexpected twist in our in our relationship
2: thanks brian how about you um yeah i guess my story might be a little different than a lot of the ones that that people come across um I I, both me and my wife have not always been like completely active and traditional members in the church, but you know, like, like I said in my introduction, I did at one point as a late teenager decide I was really going to give the church a go, you know, really do it. And I surprising most people that knew me, they were shocked to hear that I was actually going to end up going on a mission. Uh, so I went on a mission, gave it the full, you know, Everything I had changed my life completely and um, found that it really worked for me. Um, so, you know, kind of kept going along that path. And and certainly when I came back from my mission was all, you know, programmed that I needed to marry, uh, you know, a good Mormon girl in the temple, uh, did that, you know, married someone that I would known previously before my mission uh, and kind of went right, you know, went right along with. The way I had been raised, you know, I'm become a father, I'm going to have a family, uh, I'm going to do callings in the church, and and all that stuff. And actually, uh, um, my wife's crisis happened when we had already been married about, let's see, about 16 years. So we already had six children together, had been married for 16 years, Um, and I admit, sometimes during that time period, like, I joined the Army and we traveled around a lot. Sometimes we'd been less active. Um, but both of us had been raised in the church, and um, that was my culture, my identity, my tribe and all that stuff. Now, a, a difference personality-wise is I've always been interested in history, um, studying religion, both LDS religion and other religions. It's something I've always, always been fascinated with. And so I think I had a very, very—I have had a very strong shelf, you know, as we talk about with Crisis of Faith. Uh, I could hold a lot of stuff on that shelf. <laughs> um, So I, I think I was kind of exposed to a lot of the stuff that my wife—eventually, things snapped for her, but over a long period of time, I had— to a doubt of those things. Uh, for her, she um, she read, I, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the title of the book, but it was about pioneer women. And there was some historical stuff in there that didn't match up to what she knew about the church. Uh, but the real event happened. It was, like I said, in 2007, um, we had another family member that we were both very close to uh, that was leaving the church. And actually, you know, me and him were, were, were very close and still are close to this day. Uh, but he read a book by John Krakauer, Under the Banner of Heaven. Um And he he read that, and then he asked me to read it. Now, this wasn't like you may think this is some kind of trap, like he's trying to fluster me about the church. But our relationship, we would talk about stuff all the time. And he really wanted me to read the book so that he could get my impression realizing, like, he thought I was a safe person to talk to and I could read the book. And And actually, I did read it, you know, and I was fine and we got to talk about it. But my wife picked it up. And in our conversations, she's like, well, I want to read that too. And she read it, and that, it was just like the camel that, the straw that broke the camel's back. Everything for her, at least this is from my perspective, just crumbled to pieces within like two or three weeks. All of a sudden, like I said, we were already married for a long time, had this whole life together, and here I am all of a sudden with my wife in tears. We're talking about, she's saying she doesn't know if she can stay married. Oh, oh and by the way, like, her, her issue, she felt that she had been tricked by the church. Um, and, you know, and not that, you know, she's a wonderful mother. She's a wonderful wife, a great friend, but she kind of felt like she fell into this trap of, um, you know, having all these children and feeling trapped and that the church has harmed her. And what it came to is she would come, she, would would be so upset and say that if I stayed in the church that I was part of, you know, victimizing her and harming her and, uh, you know, I'm part of the, the evil that has happened to her. And that was, I mean, our whole life fell apart and we had teenage children down, you know, 16, 17 down to like four years old. Our kids saw her, Angry and saying all this stuff about the church and uh, actually even a, about me to some extent. And, you know, uh, they, the older kids, they had no idea. Like they're, you know, they're raised in the church and here's their mom saying all this stuff. It, it almost looking back was like they were processing that we were getting divorced or that she had actually died or something. Yeah. Um, it, it was just heartbreaking and this went on for, you know, months, couple months, and I had nowhere to turn. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to anybody in the church because I didn't even know who would even know how to help me. I ended up finding, like, I was looking online, and I looked, there was some article about, this guy had written an article about people taking antidepressants in Utah, uh, but I got through the, the, the article that his wife had left the church, and I ended up tracking this guy down, and, and emailing them and calling them on the phone just to reach out to anybody. I had no idea what to do. Here I am, like a father of a family, a husband, and um, not sure, like, who do I turn to? My family is falling apart. My wife is talking about maybe we can't stay married. And this is my entire identity. You know, I'm in my mid-30s, and now the whole equation changes all of a sudden. Uh, so it was it was just a heart-wrenching experience, and I didn't know who to turn to. Yeah,
1: I, I like how you say the whole equation changes, because in the LDS Church we obviously kind of interweave the whole marriage relationship and even the relationships with people like our families with the church. It's all part of one big, as you say, equation. And then when that changes, everything changes. I, I know for my wife and I, we both left the church together but we still went through to some not as much as you all did, but these same sort of discussions these same sort of tensions and and you know even the question of divorce comes up just because everything changes the, the the fundamental equations different
2: yeah I mean we're on one level i the way I saw it is like well we're filling these roles that we've all grown up to understand that that's what just what we do and now holy you know holy cow, this, this isn't what I I have no idea how to process this.
3: I well, um, go ahead, Charlene. Well, I was just—I was just going to add to that. It seemed, you know, like you say, the church defines marriage in such a unique way. At least I think it's unique compared to other religions, and it's so interwoven with who we are, what we believe, and how we extend ourselves to our family and to the and to the people that we deal with in the church and and the rest of the rest of our world and then when you have this you know I I think of it as a tapestry or as a a woven fabric and you pull this one string out of it all of a sudden things start to fray around the edges and and for me I felt like I was having to frantically try to put everything back together and redefine what does it mean to be married what what who is he because he's not what I thought he was you know, at least by church definitions. And now who am I really married to? And what does it mean to be married? And if he doesn't believe, what does that mean to our marriage? And what does it mean to our children when we have children down the road? It just changes so many. And like Brian, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I I tried. I tried talking to his parents. Whoa, that was a mistake. <laughs> um My parents, you know, had, I mean, they didn't know him well enough. And You know, they were totally clueless. I talked to bishops, and, you know, I have to admit, half of the church people, you know, that I talked to, their answer was, well, just leave the bum. He's an apostate. Why would you want to stay married to him? And yet I was so certain that we needed to preserve this marriage, that what we had was so good. Um, But it was. It was really hard trying to find my footing again and redefine and find how, how, how to think about my marriage.
0: Yeah, I, I completely concur with all that. It's, um, you know, my husband used the, um, term, well, first of all, I do want to say it was August, 2008, about 2007, <laughs> uh, when my husband was telling me of things. Uh, but getting back to talking about that tapestry, um, I think we all have our own, the only, our own way of viewing it, I often talk about it being, um, a building block and my husband would always say, well, I haven't changed, you know, or, or then he would, the other, the other statement he'd always throw at me was, um, well, person can change in a marriage, can't they? Cause they're not fundamentally different. Well, that's the truth that when you're, and this is the best way I can describe it is, um, the building block. I mean, it was a commonality that we had, a religious commonality and belief, and we had a goal that we were going to make it and get to the celestial kingdom. And, and, you know, my husband and I, we didn't exactly have a perfect marriage. We, we struggled, um, marriage, you know, I'd been taught in young women's, um, and not all through young women's. I think also just family relations had kind of also taught me, that marriage is supposed to complete you. Well, marriage didn't complete me. (laughs) And, um, I discovered that early on in our marriage. Well, before, before any of this had happened. And so it, for us, it's been, um, it's been tough to just make a marriage go. And this was, this was definitely just one more thing. And it was, for us, it was a building block in the foundation of our marriage to have that commonality and that belief. And actually, his testimony had strengthened mind in so many ways that to have him just completely coming out and saying the things he was, it was definitely a crack. I always describe it as he was trying to tear out the foundation with his bare hands. But, but the truth about a foundation is, is that when the one block is crumbling, you tend to forget about all the other things you built it upon, and I think you have to re-scu- rediscover that together. and yeah. And we're not fully there yet. I, we're trying, but and and we're we're doing really good at it. But sometimes we do slip back and and just seem to focus on that one one block that got cracked.
1: Well, you know, you've hit on something that I think can be the positive thing out of this i think sometimes the lds teachings on marriage made us a little lazy um yeah. because we assumed that a, a marriage you know once it was ordained and and you went to the temple and you were you're were c- sealed it just it it was all in god's hands from there um and i think crises like this make us more focus on the relationship in a more realistic sort of way and i think if you can survive that you might come out better on the other side
2: well, I agree. I, I agree, too. Uh, it, as painful as everything has been, I could see in a lot of ways how my relationship with my wife, uh, how having to deal with some of this stuff has forced us to look at and realize that, yes, we, we loved each other for other reasons besides the roles we were filling within our theology sort of thing. You know, friends, she is a wonderful, wonderful mother, she's a a wonderful wife in spite of being an apostate <laughs>
1: <laughs> so christine both you and charlene mentioned um that there were mistakes made and i don't necessarily want to focus on the the mistakes and and those mistakes were made on both sides obviously but maybe what are some of the things in the early stage that that we all could have done better to make this sort of a little bit smoother
0: um I know for me, uh, him being so emotional about it and, uh, him wanting me to see that his side of it, you know, read this, read this, read this. And I'm like, ah, no, this is just too much at this point. I can't deal with this. I, I, again, I'll, you know, I had a lot on my plate and, um, and, uh, I think he was in the anger stage and, uh, It became personal attacks. You know, if if you can find a way to describe how you're feeling without personally attacking that person and their beliefs, calling them closed-minded, using the term brainwashed, fraud, lied. I mean, yes, you feel lied too, I understand. Um, I do, and, and that's really a hard thing to use, but it becomes very personal when you're saying, when the church is lying to you and you're describing it to that person that the church is lying to them. Um, I'm a huge advocate against, against terms like brainwash because that's just hurtful. It, it's just plain hurtful. Cult, uh, these are all things that, that my husband said to me about the church and, and it shuts, it shuts you down from wanting to, um, have a conversation with them because it, it shuts you down emotionally because you, you're attacking something dear to them and it shuts you down because it, it feels very, very personal. And, and you're saying, this is what you think of me. And um, yeah, that, that for me is a huge one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a strong advocate against those kind of terms. And, and uh, even if you're using them, I'm going to give myself away, but even if you're using them online, you know, you don't know who is going to be surfing the net. And, and if you've just come out, then I wouldn't be surprised to have a spouse go and they're going to find out where you've been online and they're going to read those things. And, you know, it, it's, it's so hard. It, that, that part is really, really a difficult thing to get through. And it, and it just does not help the situation.
3: Yeah. I have to agree with Christine. And then I would add, and it's kind of part of this the constant wanting to debate me yeah. on, on the issues um, you know, sometimes we'd have these conversations and he would just have me so pinned into a corner um, because of course what he accepts as truth is all intellectual, factual. And yet I think that there's an intuition and a spiritual or emotional side to belief and that he totally rejects. And so because he's drawn that line Nothing I said was valid to him. And so using his, you know, masterful debating techniques and and, uh, superior intellect or whatever, he would back me into a corner until, you know, what do I do? I either get angry and, you know, or shut down. It just wasn't constructive. Um, You don't understand each other better when when you're into that kind of conversation.
0: I, I have, I had the exact same experience, with that Charlene. just being backed into a corner constantly. And my husband's from the time we were married, likes to play devil's advocate. So it just got really, yeah. really bad. <laughs> and I will admit as a, as a true believing member, I am probably pretty typical in that. No, I hadn't really looked at a lot of these issues. Um, and I, I just honestly wasn't taking the time to do it. I, I wouldn't say that I was a, um, a terribly wonderful member in the fact that I, that I hadn't looked at all these issues that we were, that we're supposed to be knowledgeable about. But, but, um, that's where I was at my point in life. And, and that's a little bit of where I am now. I've, um, but yeah. And my husband and I still get into this. And the hard part is, is that I have a difficult time backing down, da- backing down as, as much as him. I mean, part of, it's part of the struggles in marriage. Generally, we're both really stubborn and hardheaded. <laughs> so, um, and and dang it, I'm going to demand my equality in in my marriage. I'm not a timid Mormon housewife. So um, I think one of the biggest things, too, was constantly being the challenge and the backing into the corner. And that's actually what made me wonder whether we could actually remain married is how long is this going to last? How is this going to um, am I going to have to constantly defend myself in my marriage? Because I don't want a marriage like that. It's not a happy one. It's not a comfortable one. um And it wasn't me choosing my husband over the, you know, choosing my church over my husband. It was me um, saying, I just can't take this anymore. I can't take the constant battery.
2: It, if I could interject one thing, I think that summarizes a lot of this stuff, and, and it's a problem that uh, we see at the Faces East board a lot when people come to ask for help, is and this is far easier to say than do, but, uh, but a lot of us are, are used up to, you know, up to the point in our marriage where this happens is we're used to being on the same page with a lot of things with our spouse and especially the church and and belief being so central to our identities. But if you're going to make the marriage work after that point, you're going to have to be comfortable with the fact that you just don't see this the same anymore but that you can still be married like that. That's okay. And actually, you know, outside of the church, this happens all the time, but for some reason, it's really hard for us to get past that. And both sides are so emotional. The, the, the disaffected spouse has come across this information, whether it's slowly or quickly, and they're changing and the other person is staying the same. And you just don't agree on the conclusions about this. And you may never agree on it, but you know, uh, anyway, our whole point uh, of of working with people is, is that marriage is still worthwhile. It, you know, if you have a good marriage, don't let this be the end of it.
3: Yeah. And that's a good point where we might interject. One of the best things I learned was how to separate marriage issues from church issues.
2: Um, yeah, that's that's a huge issue we, we we see all the time. I'm glad you brought that up.
3: Yeah, you just have to be able to say, you know what? What we're going through right now is common to all marriages. Um, the issues of juggling priorities, you know, juggling your different, you know, commitments. Um, for us, it's, it's juggling our commitment to the church with our family and, and marriage obligations, our obligations to our spouse. Everyone does that, believe it or not, in and out of the church. <laughs> but, um, if, If the spouse, the disaffected spouse, for example, looks at that juggling as, well, you're choosing the church over me. You know, the church is more important to you than me. Let's, let's, let's cut the church out of the, (laughs) out of the discussion here and, and just boil it down to simple good marriage skills, good marriage habits of communicating, compromising and things like that. The other one might be, um, uh, for example, um, drinking coffee, the Word of Wisdom thing. Um, yeah, there's there's a doctrinal element to that, but there's still the element of respect. You know, how do you express respect for each other and how it plays on to this issue of whether or not there's going to be coffee or beer or whatever in the house. Um, so, yeah, you need to be able to kind of untangle church issues from you know, marriage issues. You mentioned cutting the church
0: out of it. And when we started going to marriage counseling, um, that was the first thing the counselor did. He's like, your discussions are done. He's like, you can't discuss it without having an argument. So don't bring it up. And we went through a time period where we didn't. And it was, we kind of rediscovered how, how to kind of deal with our emotions. And we, the arguments did stop. We put the kids first. We put trying to be a family together first. And, um, it's not that he wasn't continuing to have issues and he, he desperately wanted to talk about them. But, uh, you know, I, one of the, one of the requirements during that time that I asked him to do was, um, you, I need you to quit going to GNOME. I need you to quit to go into Flack. I need you to quit going to, you know, PostMo, whatever, whatever you're on, I need you to stop. And I know for him, he would, he would say that it, it was good to be able to take a break from that and, um, really start figuring things out in his head. And I know, you know, it was, it was a very short period, something like six to eight weeks or something, but, um, having that step back where we could not, you know, in agreement, we could not discuss church issues whatsoever. Um, we were able to really define, uh, what was you know, that it wasn't just a church issue, it was the marital issues that we needed to work on. And once we started working on that, um, we could actually have a more civil conversation when it came, when we did start discussing church issues again.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. But yeah, that seems like a, bit, a big issue where a lot of couples will end up having trouble separating, like they'll be ha- actually having a normal marriage relationship problem, but because that's hard to deal with, because it's very personal, it ends up becoming a church issue. You know, it's like your spouse is doing something either like the believing spouse is doing something because the church controls them or the disbelieving spouse now, you know, just to bring up word of wisdom, uh, Mm -hmm. drinks a beer, uh, once a week with the guys at work or something. And, uh, you know, like that may not mean that they're now an alcoholic, you know, it's, it's these kind of things that go back and forth where there's kind of mis- Understanding, and instead of dealing with the relationship issue, it it comes back to somehow an argument about the church and history and doctrine and control and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So um, I know one thing, and and I know my husband isn't alone in doing this. So for those who, out there who do this, um, he would challenge me on a few things. Like, um, in fact, he just did this recently. I was, uh, and I took it straight to the counselor. No. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, how would you feel if I uh went and brought some wine home? And I just said, you know, given your family history, it's—I don't think you know—alcohol of any kind's a great idea. But if you want to do it, I'd prefer to go to your mom's because they, you know, she'd probably be more accepting. I just don't want it around the kids at this time. And I said, I'm not—I'm not completely prepared for that. And—and and it really was a civil conversation, but he would bring up stuff just to shock me because he was kind of going through this. I'm mad at the church. I'm also mad at you. And, um, it really doesn't work well in a, in a relationship. <laughs> so, uh, especially when it comes to issues that are already sensitive.
2: Yeah. I had, I had a question written down. Ahead, uh, I thought it might be an interesting topic that would help just give some insight for a lot of people. Uh, what are like the negotiations that some of the other people, and you know, I can add some of my own in a, in a minute, but how have people negotiated, like the changes, like kids going to church and who's going to get, is somebody going to get baptized or, you know, the kids getting baptized or not, or are we going to go to church? All that kind of stuff. Is that?
1: Yeah, that's a great one. So how do you do it?
3: Well, fortunately for me, my husband, um, he still sees a lot of good in the church and I don't think he has ever had the anger that I've seen on some of these other, you know, Flack and some of these other websites, um, and and he'll say he'll be honest. He'll say, you know, I'm the one who changed everything. I'm the one who who left the church. Who changed the whole, you know, contract, if you want to look at it like that. Um, he said, so when it came to faith, um, he pretty much has left it in my hands, um, and uh, and he's never said or done anything to undermine what I have tried to teach our, our boy fifth reason. And in fact, he's actually encouraged them to, in some of the practices such as paying tithing. And he's even told them, well, if you don't want to pay tithing, I still want you to give to some charity because we have an obligation to, to help others. Um, and same with word of wisdom. Uh, I had a son who was really getting into energy drinks for a while and, and you know, my husband backed me up on that. Um, so, so I've been really fortunate that way. Now, by the same token, I've been very careful that when we do come into a matter of doctrine or, or what, that we disagree on, I've let him, I mean, I've had him explain his point of view to the boys. Um, after a certain age, we didn't do it when they're really little. Probably by the time they were nine or 10, we started having some more, um, input from, from the disbelieving side, as it were. And um, and I've always been very careful that um, I never want my children to think that, well, their dad's wrong. Or, you know, that it's, in other words, paint him in a negative light. I didn't want to do anything that would diminish him in their eyes or somehow diminish their relationship with him. And that's kind of a tricky thing because he does do things that, I don't think are right, um, but I've always decided, well, I will be the example of the believing Mormon, and my sons will have to decide for themselves, and, and hopefully, um, hopefully we've done the right thing in that, um, but, but as far as negotiating the children part of it, um, that's been very easy because my husband really saw nothing to, to really argue over.
0: Um, I know for me at first it was, uh, he wasn't sure if our daughter was going to be baptized. And then he said, okay, well, and, and he, he was just, this is at the time when we were actually, weren't discussing as many church issues as, and, uh, we were really heavily starting into counseling. Um, and he said, you know, she's, everyone else is doing it. Um, and she's going to feel left out and she's been looking forward to this. So, you know, Let's do the baptism. And, uh, oh, now I recall it was just after that, um, that he took off his garment. Um, (laughs) he, um, and he actually baptized her, uh, which, which kind of left me kind of wondering. I was, I was unsure about that, but, um, I let it just go ahead and didn't, didn't do a battle on that one. Um, or didn't turn that into a huge argument. Uh, I, but we have we've been back and forth, and it's really hard. We have a uh, nine-year-old daughter now who picks up on everything, and she's I think she's she's very sensitive to a lot of what is going on between her her dad and I. Um, she she's so sensitive about things because um, she would see the arguments when they were really bad and and now even if my husband and I are kind of in a joking bantering thing she's like please stop fighting we have to say this isn't fighting this is <laughs> this is mommy and daddy teasing each other um, but she uh, she's been my biggest concern because she picks up on so much so many things and she's so much like her dad with the analytical. And, um, but the truth is she's never had the experience to, um, to say some of the things she's been saying. It's, it's because of what she's overheard in, in arguments and she'll come up and she says these things to me. So our, I finally, after in pointing out to my husband what's really going on with her, um, we had, we've had some long discussions and, uh, I think also, um, what is it? John Delins? people, why people leave. And he points out at the very end, um, some of the good reasons to stay in there. Uh, those are the same reasons my husband decided to keep trying. And, and we had a discussion in our discussions. I brought those up and I said, you know, for kids, this kind of structure is great. And we brought up Fowers. I, you know, we brought up and talked about Fowers stages of faith and also several studies that have said, uh, Kids who are raised in religion. And I said, you know, better, better the religion that you do know rather than the religion that you don't know. Um, better the evil that you do know rather than the, the evil you don't know. Um, I said, when it comes to religion, because we know what they're going to be taught and we'll be able to step in and say to them, you know, look, this isn't exactly mommy and daddy share on this and, and we can work together. But where she's so sensitive, I've asked him to wait a while um, before really talking to the kids about it. I believe, and my husband shares the same opinion that our children are too young to really be making decisions at this time. They're, you know, age four and age nine. And in a few years, he'll really probably start discussing with them his where his beliefs stand, but also at this time he hasn't defined his beliefs. He is slowly rebuilding his structure and what he wants to believe and what he does believe. But, um, right now I said, I, I've told him I can offer a sanctuary and and a safe home and it's a language you understand and that you can share with them. And, um, he's been really good. He'll say prayers with them and, and, um, have, discussions with them about certain topics of the church. And it's been good that way, but it took us a little bit of finagling to figure that out. Uh, we do think they need a little bit more exposure. We live in the Mormon corridor and um, we think they need a little bit more expo- exposure to, to the things that are, are out there and the ideas that are out there. And, uh, but, but at this time we're not exposing them to too much.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess for, for my wife and I, we're kind of at a, still at a point where we're largely on polar opposites. Uh, she, uh, is, is not a fan of organized religion or church and, uh, largely considers herself an atheist at this point. I like religion a lot. Uh, I, I enjoy my heritage of Mormonism and so we're kind of at those opposites. So we, the way we've sort of negotiated and worked through it at this point is, you know, I don't demand that she goes to church. I don't demand that, you know, it's, I respect her beliefs and as much as possible, you know, I can, I can go to church and she's not going to demand that I leave the church. Um, you know, I get to go to church and participate. Although oftentimes, like one Sunday a month, A lot of times I'll stay home, you know, kind of as, uh, as an offer of respect for her, I stay home and like, we'll spend time the morning together as a family doing something, maybe making a big breakfast and just spending time together and enjoying each other's company. Um, as far as the kids are concerned, the way we negotiate it is that she can't demand that they not go to church and I can't make them go to church. Um, I guess at this point, the way it's sort of worked out is that most of them don't go to church. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be honest, growing up, a lot of times I, I understood, you know, it, it, church always isn't very exciting. But that I mean, for better or for worse, that's how we negotiated it. Uh, sometimes one or two of the kids will go with me. Most of the times uh, the, the, the rest of them don't. Uh, although they are, I don't know, I, I feel like my children sort of feel like they're all still... Uh, you know, have a Mormon heritage. And I really want to convey that to them. Um, So, like I said, for better or for worse, that's sort of how we've negotiated things out over the last couple of years to find an equilibrium.
3: Now, Brian, your children were older, weren't they, when your wife
2: left? Uh, Yeah, like I said, I think, let's see, my oldest was 16 or 17 and the youngest was four years old. So, I, I mean, my older children, my oldest two children, my son and daughter, They were going to early morning seminary. You know, all the kids were going to the weekly activities. Uh, Most of the time we were all going to church. So it was, you know, a really radical change for everybody in the family. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
3: See, and and in our family, um, my children have never known their father to go to church. So we kind of had to, you know, we started with little babies. um, Right. You know, with that picture.
2: Yeah. But so, yeah, I guess the, the way we are now is really like, a, a mixed, you know, we're a mixed faith family. I mean, I know the, the rest of you guys are too. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of still on, on fairly polar opposites between somewhat atheist and, and mostly still active. In
0: do you guys, sorry, do you guys have, um, your kids bringing up stuff that, that, just kind of blows your mind that they that they know about when it comes to questions of the church?
2: We we talk pretty openly in my family. So, um I mean, obviously not all the kids are interested in details of history, but the older kids, uh, we don't really hide anything, and, and pretty much any topic in, in our house is, is open. And, and actually, to some extent, you know, I, I got a chance to have some really good conversations with my, my older children, and they appreciated... To some extent, you know, just being able to express, I don't know, some, sometimes they came across things in church that they were troubled about. I, I don't know, my, my oldest son, uh, I guess, you know, like one time he, he, he was talking to like one of his youth leaders and was very upset about how, um, you know, the, they were hammering hammering home like the, the word of wisdom and then... Uh, Unfortunately, we went to like a youth temple trip and they were like, the kids in the back of the bus were all slamming energy drinks. And that really bothered him because of this dichotomy. But, you know, because we had we were openly able to talk about this stuff, he actually felt a lot better about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's stuff like that. But, yeah, we, we're we we're fairly open about things. Uh, honestly, teenagers aren't always interested in all the nitty gritty details <laughs> of history <laughs> anyway. So but, um, yeah, we don't hide any of it. Uh, uh, my wife can, will say bad things about the church and then I'll come back and say, well, yeah, actually, but you know what, this is what I love about the church and these are great things. And so they kind of get both sides.
1: So the last thing I want to kind of explore, um, (laughs) is about, um, for each of you individually, your faith, How, how has this impacted your faith and your, your view of the church as you've gone through this experience?
3: Well for me um I think I had a complete tear down and rebuild. Um all those times that we had those discussions where he backed me into a corner for example um some of his uh the the inconsistencies that he found within the doctrine within LDS scripture um it really challenged my my faith it it challenged everything and there were a couple times where I really felt like I had no foundation for believing that the, that the LDS Church was true. Um, and yet that prospect seemed bleak and unmanageable to me. I could not imagine myself not being a Mormon. And so um, I, I kind of had a rebuild where I had to start back at the beginning and decide what it was I really, what were the core reasons for my belief. Um, I've attended uh, a couple non-denominational Bible studies that have been wonderful for helping me um, express my belief outside of Mormonese. We get so used to, you know, to talking about you know faith and repentance or whatever, all those different, and we have our Sunday school definitions of what those mean, and they just were so inadequate for what I was dealing with. Um and um and going to these Bible studies with with these other women of of different denominations, um going to other churches really helped me um broaden my understanding, I guess, of what or or find new language, new words to explain what my core beliefs were. And once I was secure in what my core beliefs were, then um you know, I started looking at things that were uniquely Mormon. And and I church things that you know polygamy being one of them uh that i it's it's on that shelf that we talk about um i can't embrace it the way uh most LDS people do uh, there's you know a couple others where i just i'm not comfortable bearing testimony of course and i'm not comfortable saying that i know that these particular doctrines are true um but enough is there in the in the Mormon Church, for me to believe that this is the place I belong, and so this is where I'll be.
1: Great, thanks. How, how about you, Christine?
3: Um,
0: I I know from my beliefs. Um, I I went through a period. I'm trying to think. I don't know how many years ago. It was before my um, second daughter was born. And, um, I quit believing in God and i had had some things happen and I just could not look at the world and say, God exists in my life. And I, and here I am, I'm going to church. I'm teaching, I'm teaching primary. And I remember seriously thinking on several Sundays, why the heck am I teaching this crap to these girls when I don't <laughs> believe it? <laughs> and it just was just phenomenal. I couldn't believe I, I was, you know, uh, doing these things, and yet yet I couldn't express a true testimony. I would always say testify to these children, and I would always skip that part. And um, I turned my back on God and was mad at Him if He did exist. Uh, I had some I hadn't actually told anyone. I couldn't tell my husband. I I always joke that it's such an irony um, because I felt like I couldn't tell him at the time. And even he has stated that he's like, yeah, if you would have told me, I'm not so sure that we would have stayed together. So I look at where we are now (laughs) and go, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. But I couldn't talk to anybody. And uh, I had something happen where someone said something to me, and, and it was just so weird to me. They, they asked me, I, I was actually getting a massage and it was, I don't believe in energy work, but the, the person who was doing it, she's like, I can tell your show just ticked off at somebody and I can tell it's a male. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'm just going and I just said, Oh, you know, I said, I'm, I said, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And if he does exist, I'm really mad at him for, for a few things. And, and the masseuse said, well, she goes, that's okay, he's a big boy, he can take it. And that doesn't seem profound to anybody, it just probably seems silly to some people. But for me, it it hit a switch, and it clicked. And I went through several more weeks of, of deciding, you know, God isn't there, God. And it actually brought back a lot of spiritual experiences for me um, that I'd kind of forgotten about. And things that I just, I couldn't say came from my own emotional self. You know, and uh I finally had a conversation. I said, Okay, God, I'm I'm gonna believe in you. Here's my mustard seed. This is as much as you get <laughs> And from there my my personal beliefs have taken off. Um so when my husband's uh disaffection hit it it um you know, I've naturally thought, Oh, he's gonna come back to the same conclusion and he hasn't. But it rocked me as far as believing within the church and what I've seen, I've had to really dissect what is Mormon culture and what is Mormon belief. And it fast, the culture is just fascinating to me when you step outside of it. And I've had to decide and, and look at where my, where each of these come from. And, um, for me, it's really firmed up a few things, but it never shook me to the core because I'd already had this other experience that had shaken me to the core. And so uh it was a rebuilding, but it was still rebuilding around something that was already there uh, um for me and so i I wouldn't ever say that i I'm a hundred percent sure this church is true kind of a thing, but i I have a faith and a belief, and this is the language I speak, and this is my tribe and and uh it leads it supports me in my belief of God. And I like what it teaches and I like what it can do. I I like the way I was raised and I like the way that it, it, it's pro-family and, you know, I think it's pro-family whether you're, um, whether you're an interfaith marriage or a mixed marriage or, or any, you know, or, or a full believing marriage. I think it's pro-family no matter what. I think it's the culture Uh, especially when you're living in, in Utah and in this, in the 90% Mormon communities that ends up saying to you, Oh, well, they're apostate walk away. I I think people just don't think when they say those things, but, um, you know, in, in some ways, uh, it's only been really, really, really recently that I've begun to appreciate what his disaffection has done for me. Um, as far as how it strengthened me and it's changing me, I'm not, we're, we're still going through a lot of this. We're not by any means, uh, I'd say, you know, where, where Charlene is or, or where Brian is, um, we're, it's still hurtful and it's still painful sometimes. Um, but, but we're working through it and we're, we're both changing together and we're both we're learning, learning to make those concessions. And so, I, I, I'm hoping to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I, I just, you know, the goal I want is that we're going to have a, a stronger marriage as we go through this.
2: Yeah, and I guess, uh, to, to throw in my story, um, I, uh, I had the, you know, like, uh, just because of my nature, when somebody tells me that, I have to do something. I quite often do the exact opposite because I'm such a stinker. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, when, when everything fell apart for my wife, you know, I loved her and I wanted to stay with her, but this was such a part of me. And when I was, when I was young, a teenager and a young adult, I was, I was very unhappy. I was angry at the world. I didn't like myself, and when I started taking my the religion of my heritage seriously and really made a go at it, I feel like it worked for me. And and it, over you know over a long period of time, it is maybe somebody that I I like to be. I, I want to be you know a good father, a good husband, a good person. I want to be happy, and the thought of giving up all of the stuff that to me is my Mormonism is like jumping back to that person that is no longer anymore. So, you know, what ended up happening, you know, for me personally is when everything fell apart for my wife and she says, you have to leave the church with me, I said, uh, it made me have to really, like the other, like, you know, Charlene and Christine said, I had to really go back and look at what my membership in the church meant What my participation, and I like being, I like being a Mormon with all its nuttiness sometimes and the warts and, but I find it intellectually fascinating. Like I said before, I I love history. I I love studying all this stuff. Um, but, you know, for a good portion of our marriage, I was actually a very lazy Mormon and now, I'm much more active <laughs> after this process than I ever have been. I like going to church now. I want to be there. Uh it's not something that I felt like, well, this is what I have to do because that's the way I was raised to do it. You know, I I know what I want and this is this is what I like to be. It's the way God made me and I've always kind of had that sense of God and the divine, some kind of presence there. Um so yeah, it it, it and it like I kind of mentioned before, a theme in our marriage is this polarization. And so it actually really shoved me into becoming a more faithful Mormon when that happened.
1: Wow. Now we've mentioned the uh, board, the website several times. The, the, uh, the website is faceseast.org, which is a message board. Now, um, Charlene, did you, are you the founder of that website?
3: I started it, yes.
1: And um, it's a discussion board for um, to cover this sort of topics. Uh, in my opinion, it's probably the most important board out there. I have to say that I find it heartbreaking most of the time when I read it. Um, but um, w- would you all like to give out your identities um, on the board so people can contact you?
3: Um, yeah. I'm. My name on the board is Prairie Chuck.
0: Um, my name on the board is Heartbeat and uh i have i have posted on gnome under three am but we will continue to, i am gonna bring heartbeat over there because I much prefer that avatar to three a m so
2: <laughs> uh yeah, and for me actually I'm just me on the internet uh I, I'm Brian J uh, on faces east uh Brian Johnston elsewhere I have gone for some some time also as a valo uh but uh, i don't really use that much these days anymore so i'm just me okay um, go ahead can
0: I make a plug for faces east
2: sure, um
3: please.
0: i if anyone out there is is if you are tbm or if you are nom or if you are um if you're struggling in your marriage uh we welcome all kinds as long as you're there to if you really want to try and make a go of your marriage if you want to hear from us about how to fix it or not fix it but you know how's the best way to approach your marriage how's the best way to approach your spouse about your disillusionment you know and please 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 tell us tell your spouses about us because it really is a wonderful board to help people out there um i know it's helped me quite a bit and um just to be able to have people to relate to but we're also there to help the the other you know the other half of the marriage the people who are going through disillusionment and disaffection and we have some ideas uh that that maybe are different than what you find on on gnome or on flack or or um any a lot of the other boards that are out there
2: well i I guess one big difference to to point this out is that faces East is predominantly targeted towards the believing spouse, and so I guess just as a little bit of forewarning to the you know the 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 disaffected spouse, we do try to keep it a safe place so that more traditional members of the church are comfortable and don't come there and see. You know, a lot of stuff that's just going to drive them away and go, "Oh, that's much anti-Mormons there," and then they don't come a- and get help. You know, from other people that are going through the same thing. So it's, it, it's more targeted towards the believing spouse to be a support group. But like Christine said, you know, we're we're all married to somebody who's disaffected, so <laughs> you know, we, we we love disaffected people because we're all married to to somebody you know yep. who's stopped believing or left the church.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah. I I think that's perfectly fair. There's and there's plenty of places out there for the uh, disaffected to uh, socialize and get their, get their fix. Alright, once again, thanks. I think it's been a really great discussion. I think you've given us all a lot to think about and I, I appreciate you all coming on. Yeah,
0: Thanks, Thank you, John. John.
1: Thank you. Alright, as always, the discussion continues at the website mormonexpression.com We'll put a link up there to Faces East um, and you can send us email at mail at mormonexpression.com